I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijin. And I am your other host, Margot Poupard. Well, today we have a very special guest joining us for this episode from the Best Week Ever podcast. Please welcome Van. Yay. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. (laughs) We're Thanks so for stoked. coming on. We're so happy you're here today. Uh, Van is the host of the Best Week Ever podcast, an homage to VH1's 2000s show where we discuss with a new guest each week who's having the worst and best week ever in pop culture. Welcome again. And we are so excited that you are here because we are discussing today a very important show starring an old millennials icon. She and her e-reality show walked so the Kardashians could run. She taught us how to throw a Christmas party, who to call for decorating help if we ever move back to LA, and what to do when your dog won't stop humping everything. We're, of course, talking about Anna Nicole Smith and her iconic show, The Anna Nicole Show. Yay! Is it a yay? I don't know. And I mean, watching it's a little, it, it feels I, so, so dark at times. It's like, thank yeah. God it's only 20 minutes, you know, when you take out yeah. the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely hard to watch, especially as an adult where you're like, oh, these people around her are just so manipulative on how to like get an answer out of her that she doesn't want to answer. You know what I mean? And she's just like, whatever, do it. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, girl. Yeah. Well, if, Emily, maybe you remember this. And I don't know if I talked about it on the pod before, but I knew her son, Daniel, growing you up. You never told me that. I never told you that. I could have sworn we no. talked about it on the podcast before. Well, Daniel was really good friends with like my the first friend I made, Melissa, when I moved to Burbank. They were like good friends growing up. And so I met him through her and like he was always I mean, that's sort of why like I think the show like bums me out a little bit more watching it like as an adult now, just because he like hated the show. He had like a terrible experience at school where people would always, you know, say terrible things about like, oh, I want to fuck your mom and all sorts of like other awful shit. Like I don't think oh. he lasted more than a year in middle school if he even made it the full year is like TBD. But um, the cons- I, 
I forgot how thoroughly fucking creepy Howard K. Stern was because like yes. one of the few times where like we were getting picked up at the after school program, my mom met him and she was just like, stay the fuck away from this man and was like very um unsettled uh, by like how involved he was and just like, just what a full blown creep. Like in rewatching some of these episodes, the like what you were saying, Van, like the way that he manipulates her and like speaks to her is just like it's just so dark sided. And then just to know what he does, like, you know, later on towards the end of her life too, you're just like, Oh, this man, like, it's hard to say. Um, like it's, she just was like influenced by like all the wrong people. Right. Like in, in the show, other than her assistant, Kim, who has big, um, Kim Zolciak's chefs, like they have very similar energy. Um, I actually confused them when I like thought back about like the assistant, and I was like, she was a chef, and I was like, no, that was Kim Zodiac. Like that was yeah, like, are they not the same person? Like they look alike, they have like the same voice. Like I don't know, yeah. it really tripped me out to rewatch it. Yeah, very similar vibe. But yeah, the Anna Nicole's the Anna Nicole show uh, had a great uh, opening credit sequence. Um, it's probably the best part of the show. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about like Howard Stern, I kind of think back of also Justice for Bobby Trendy, where I was yes. just oh, yeah. thinking, I, I felt, I, I don't know how I got looped into being like, yeah, Bobby Trend is this as a kid, like he's lame. And then growing up, I'm watching it now. I'm just like, he was just doing his job. And Howard yeah. was like literally terrorizing him while he was doing his job. And Anna wasn't there. So Anna wasn't able to see how Howard was truly treating Bobby Trendy. It felt very homophobic at times. I was like this. Uh, I rewatched that episode last night and I was really, um, yeah, kind of disturbed by it all. And it just like, yeah, it does not play well Um it is kind. It is sad to rewatch and just to see um, how many people who were around her. Like nowadays, we would you know compare this to Britney, obviously, where there were a lot of people in her circle who are not did not have her intentions, her good, her best intentions, and did not take care of her and put her in these positions where she was set up to fail. And this, I think, this show is an example of that, where she's you know put in that position. I wouldn't even say like set up to f well set up to feel definitely that but also would say like set up to be like the butt of the joke because that's, and that's what I mean. I'm so struck by some of these scenes where he like sets her up to look like a fucking idiot and then she yeah. she basically has to make fun of herself to show that she does get it. Um, and so like these comparisons that she makes herself and also like in all of the stuff that we read kind of like leading up to recording that her comparison to Marilyn Monroe and how people were always like surprised that she was like secretly smart. Like that's like one of the many things that they kind of like share in common. Um, and it was interesting to to actually see it instead of like be told it right. Like you, you're told about these Hollywood legends about Marilyn Monroe, but now we have the Anna Nicole show. And so we watch her visibly like work out that someone is trying to get one over on her and her whole I mean it's like the theme for like her life right like someone's always trying to get one over on her and she has to try to figure out how to outsmart them and just you know from her lawsuit to this show it's just such a bummer yeah no truly I it it, it is a bummer to like see how it how it all ended yeah um, but yeah, it just makes me upset when um, people talk to her about today as like she was always beloved when really tabloids and were just so nasty towards her. So and cool. it's like I'm being gaslit into thinking that like everyone always loved Anna Nicole. And it's like, no, actually, like she got a lot of hate throughout her years of doing the show, um, marrying uh, Marshall, being on Playboy and yeah, just knowing all about her background um she would be a definite star today compared to how she was ridiculed in the past absolutely actually that is a great segue <laughs> into a little background bio because i think it's always great with this um for those people who may remember anna nicole smith but maybe not as vividly as we do um you just a little background on her obviously the show was on e 
Um, it starred Anna Nicole Smith and it aired for three seasons beginning August 4th, 2002. And the first season at the time was E's most watched show at the time. Cause back then, I, you know, I think this was the first time E was really dipping their toe in reality TV. Cause this is pre Kardashians. It's pre, um, yeah, actually I'm pretty sure like all they were known for back then was like talk soup and like celebrity news. Cause this was really the first time they did a reality show. Right. I, I, yeah. I definitely think so. Because I was about to say, I thought maybe, um, Tori, spelling show but that was like a vh1 one it but i think so being notorious, a, yeah yeah i think being under like the viacom umbrella that e is under they felt the pressure to branch out into reality tv but she, i believe she was like the first one for that network and it definitely you can draw a straight line between her show and the kardashians absolutely um for a quick refresher, Anna Nicole Smith was born Vicki Lynn Hogan on November 28th, 1967 in Houston, Texas. She's a Sag like you, Margot. She grew up in Mexia, Texas, which is a small town. Eventually, she drops out of high school and marries Billy Smith, with whom she has her first kid, Daniel, when she's 18 years old. She eventually leaves her first husband. She moves to Houston and becomes an uh, exotic dancer at a strip club in Houston. And that is where, in 1991, she will meet 86-year-old Oil tycoon Jay Howard Marshall and I'll come back to him in a second but her career is you know goes on the rise after this she will in 1992 make the cover of Playboy magazine where she's credited as Vicki Smith and then she will appear as the Playboy Playman of the of the month in the May 1992 issue and then replaces supermodel Claudia Schiffer in the guest jeans ad campaign which is when she becomes Anna Nicole Smith and goes on to model for several fashion lines and magazines. And she quickly goes from being very, uh, from being unknown to being very famous. Um, but then her personal life will become uh, the tabloid headlines for several years. So she refuses initial marriage proposals from J. Howard Marshall, um, the first of which came one week after he had met her at the strip club. He, she and J. Howard Marshall will eventually get married, though, in 1994. And a year later, on August 4th, 1995, he dies at the age of 90, which will then begin a long court battle between Anna Nicole and J. Howard's sons for his estate. Anna was not in the will, but she claimed that J. Howard had promised her half of his estate, which begins an ongoing legal saga, which even went up to like the last 10 years, which really surprised me. I thought, you know, that had been settled, but it continued on. The fact that it wrapped up in like, was it 2011 or 2012? Something was like, like no one is alive. Yes. Yes. Everyone is dead. So literally all his sons are dead, I'm pretty sure. Yes, all yeah. of them are dead. I did not know that. That's crazy. I know that um, an enemy of J. Howard Marshall joined up, like made alliance with Anna Nicole Smith to get the inheritance or the, the estate of what he thought he deserved as well. And I think that's what dragged it on as well. Jesus. If I'm correct. <laughs> no, I think you are. You're right. And it, it gets it's very messy and complicated. And because of that long time and because, you know, at first Anna Nicole got a lot of modeling gigs, even had some acting gigs. Because of all this, though, she became tabloid fodder and later like a national joke. Um, and that meant the the gigs started drying up for her. She was not getting, you know, calls for modeling or acting anymore. Um, and then because, you know, she spent, because she was a celebrity, she had probably, you know, hired like an assistant in various things. She was not doing very well financially in the turn of uh, like around 2000. This is around the time like E approaches her to do the show. And um, she begins doing the Anna Nicole show, which we'll be talking about. Um, but that is really what sets her up to be on the show. Um, I think it came from a place of, of needing the money. Um, and while she becomes a part of that spotlight again for, for the first time in, in a while, unfortunately, as we discussed earlier, it's for really awful things. Um, and it just seems like she cannot catch a break whatsoever because of the people around her. Um, some of the people on the show that we talked about already, obviously Anna Nicole and her son, Daniel, Howard K. Stern, who's a total creep, Kim, her assistant, and then Sugar Pie the dog. Um, and then some of the kind of uh, supporting characters uh, are Bobby Trendy, who we will see, um, who we love, Cousin Shelly, who shows up a few times, and then Benji Bronk, who is from the Howard's, the other Howard Stern <laughs> show um they went on a few dates together um that shows up on the show but that's kind of the gist and the overview um 
I'm going to kind of go into some questions and we'll just kind of have the discussion for you all. Is there a particular show or, um, or a particular episode or scene that really stands out when you were all doing, you know, your rewatch and research for this? Uh, definitely. When I was a kid, it was her doing the Howard Stern radio show where she didn't want to do it. And I remember like, the lead up to it, like, you know how commercials would be like coming up, but like seeing it now is like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I just remember the whole drama of it all while watching yeah. it when it appeared live on the TV to now where it's just like, she didn't want to do the Howard Stern show. She got pushed to do it. Um, like Kim got kicked out as well. I just remember it being like, oh, I wonder what they're saying in there. Cause as a kid, I never listened to Howard Stern, didn't know what Howard Stern was saying about her. So as a kid, I remember that being a big scene. And she always had the best zingers, like best one-liners where she says, it really should be shit happens and you live, not shit happens when you die. And I'm like, yes, Anna, you're like, I Every little thing that she does, I'm like, it's very relatable drinking Nesquik with powdered donuts. Like I was so relatable to that. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's how I basically, um, one of my favorite scenes, not favorite, but most scene that I remember is um, her egging on the cameraman as well. She would always want to hook up with the cameraman. <laughs> I remember that seeing as a kid, which is also, it shows how lonely she was um, as a person. It also always felt like that was a character that she played because she felt obligated to be that person for everybody. But I think the real her is the person that says stuff like, uh, I can't believe they have a saying that's uh, shit happens and you die. It should be shit happens and you live because she definitely knows that probably better than anybody. Right. Like all of the yeah. things that have happened to her throughout her life, um, even before she got famous. But I think like the scene that like disturbs me the most and that I that I remember most vividly that I rewatched uh, was the eating contest scene where her and Howard K. Stern have a rematch for an eating contest and he is like giving her a hard time the whole time. She's like just trying to like make it lighthearted and fun. And she goes to the bathroom because she's like not feeling well. And he makes Daniel go with him up to the door to like listen if she's throwing up. And like the whole thing feels sick. And then when she comes out, she he won't believe her that she didn't throw up. And he like basically berates her to the point where she just gets like really emotionally overwhelmed. I mean, I feel like that's like a lot of the show. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that's kind of what made the like rewatch less fun is like he basically like berates her until like she doesn't know how to defend herself or like is become so emotionally overwhelmed that she just like starts crying. And I know that some of it's also like pills. It's hard to like watch the show and enjoy it, to be totally honest, like knowing everything that we know now and how she how what she was actually going through at the time. But the eating contest scene was just like something that started out like lighthearted and fun kind of turns into like. Ayana fix my life but like darker like it just is so it's just tough and like you just can see that she feels like the walls closing in but she doesn't know what to do about it and so she when and I think that when she feels like that her um her default is to like do like I'm a sexy baby because that's like what she knows that men want and like they will leave her alone if she just plays along and there's just so much about Howard K. Stern that like the way that he like manipulates her, like you can just tell that he's like never been around like someone that's like as attractive as her has like never paid attention to him because uh, the way that he treats her is just it's just like mind boggling that everyone's just sort of like, OK, like accepts what's going on. But I mean, that's the same thing that you could say about anything in the early 2000s, right? Like the way that people treated each other uh, publicly you were like, oh, we all just like let that slide. Interesting. No, that whole um, eating contest scene is so hard to watch because it's definitely like a microscope of how their relationship really is, where he's calling her out in front of the cameras. And I feel like in Kim's perspective, she even called Howard an asshole for doing that because it's like, why would you say that on in front of a camera that's going to go out live out there on television, out in the public? You're her lawyer. Like, it just felt like a whole setup that he was he had it calculated in his mind that he was going to do this eating contest and like you know what the subject is going to be her and her dieting and how she eats and it 
it felt like a setup of how he wanted to produce the episode for her. I was going to say, he's like a low-key, like Kyle Richards producer type where he like wants to execute a scene for like maximum I don't think he necessarily intends to humiliate her, but like knows this is what people want. Right. So I'm going to put her in these like terrible situations where she doesn't really have a choice. Like even them like going to tour homes in the first episode, like just letting her kind of uh, just like leading her down uh, like into a open house that he knows that she can't afford just so that she can like be upset, like for camera time, like why? Or in limo where she kisses Kim and Kim says something and Howard answers like, oh, she let out a secret. How come you get mad when I let out a secret of yours? And you can tell right there is like, because he was paying off tabloids with stories about her. Oh, yeah. He was the one who was closest to her, Howard. I'm so glad you brought that up because I rewatched the first Cousin Shelly episode and (sighs) he, he is the first to be like, you know, turn away the documentary filmmakers, turn her away. And like, yeah, that's very shitty. I don't get me wrong. Like that, like the fact that that whole situation had already happened. And that was the reason, original reason why Shelly showed up was because she had that crew with her is sickening. But then the fact that this man has the audacity to like, you know, point a finger at her when he does basically the same thing behind the scenes. And even while they're filming um, was just, I the day they announced that Larry Burkhead was uh, Danny Lynn's dad and like I was just relieved because knowing that this poor child would never be raised by such a monster uh, was like, yeah, such a relief for me. I just oh God, it's seared in my mind. Um, He would be using Danny Lynn if he was like a guardian for sure. Like just be like, hey, you want to meet Anna Nicole Smith's daughter? Like give me 10 bucks. She's over there in the corner. Like that's the vibe that Howard K. Stern gives me. A hundred percent. Like gross, like circus ringleader vibes. Like just wants to exploit everyone for whatever they're worth and like has no regard for human life for sure. Yeah. Is there a scene still is seared in your mind from the show that you think about? Oh, I said her taglines and leaving the radio station with Howard Stern, which still like I got to I got to go back and see the Howard Stern interviews because that's one thing I didn't want to touch because I know Howard Stern interviews are just like her him belittling her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I want to watch that kind of discourse <laughs> where yeah. he's trying to make her look stupid the whole entire time. There's another scene um, where she goes to K-Rock and one of the DJs on K-Rock, I forget which what his name was, but similarly to Howard Stern, ridicules her, tells her she's looks strung out and calls her fat and like just says all sorts of, you know, really awful things to her while on air. And they and she walks out of the studio, which like good for her. But it's just it's just a reminder of like there was not a single person in this woman's corner on this woman's side her whole fucking life. And it's like rewatching that just really sealed it for me that like she she did not stand a chance living that life and especially in the early 2000s because of just how horrible the media and everyone around her that she she let into her circle was for the most part it's yeah I think yeah she was definitely taken advantage of for sure I think she did feel like Jay Howard Marshall was in her corner from everything that she had ever said about him. And I don't really have any reason to believe that she's lying. Like marriage is a contract for better or worse. And it is like a business deal. Like you have to, you like, you're going to be investing in this person for like the rest of your life. Like I know it's not the most romantic thing, but yeah, way weirder partnerships have happened. And whatever love they did have, even though it wasn't like sexual, doesn't mean that she didn't love him. And I think that he was always on her side. And she's always said that he made her feel like she wasn't stupid. And I think that when she lost that and then his son doubled down and that she was just like a gold digging dum-dum, I think that that really like dinged her personal confidence. I mean, and then obviously getting embroiled in this really long winded lawsuit is what sort of really hurt her career and put her in this position to like be on a reality show. But 
Yeah, I oh, think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. When you look at her upbringing, too, um, Howard Marshall was the only one that really took care of her and didn't take advantage of her, like didn't mm-hmm. ask for anything of her, literally was just like, be with me, I will take care of you. And she's never had that before. So I completely understand now as a kid, I didn't, you know, I was naive. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, like, she never had that security. And he was offering it to her. And like, of course, like, they made her look as this money grubbing uh, bimbo. And it was complete opposite of what was really going down. So I did, in addition to rewatching the Anna Nicole show, I watched um, a 2020 special that aired, I think, a year ago where Larry Burkhead and Danny Lynn revisited the small town that Anna Nicole grew up in and met one of her best friends. And it was very wholesome. Like, first off, like she seems for how crazy her life, you know, has been being that, you know, the way she she was brought into this world, like, and the circumstances involving her mom, she seems pretty well adjusted. Her dad, at least from a camera's, you know, angle looks to be like a really good dad. Um, but the other thing that came up was they talked about Anna Nicole's background in this 2020 special. And what they mentioned was that J. Howard Marshall before he had his first wife, and then between his first wife and Anna Nicole, he had a companion for many years who had also been a, a lady stripper. walker who was yes, like a lady very well known dancer from Houston. Yes. And yes. I found that to be like that should tell you everything, right? Like this man yes. was just like he sold his business to like the Koch brothers and he was worth billions of dollars. He would never be able to spend the rest of that money at no. whatever 80 plus years old. Like there is not enough time and clearly was not interested in being philanthropic, which like whatever, fine. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, look at his track record. Like he just wants to like take care of ladies that are nice to look at who will listen to him tell the same story 52 times. Like, okay, like what's the crime there? I don't understand what the big deal is. The other thing that was interesting to me was um, as I've been rewatching a lot of these clips um, and uh, on YouTube, I looked at like some of the comments, like someone put it really well. She was so good hearted and innocent in the sense of like the world she had been brought up in was so kind of sheltered and she had lived in such, you know, a small town in Texas. So much of what happened to her life happened at a young age. She didn't even finish high school. And like, it's one of those things where like you realize like anyone in that kind of position, it is so difficult to already navigate the world with that and learning about, you know, how, how it all works. Then to have that and then an added layer of a a media circus and um, people around you who just don't have your best interests at heart, it's it's really heartbreaking to think about it, like just in that capacity. Well, um, I found this out and I didn't know this until like through this whole thing. I didn't know that she was founded out because an ex-boyfriend of hers sent a photo to Playboy and that's how she got found out. So like that right there, I'm like, she was already, since the beginning, she was already like being exploited by people around her that did not have good intentions for her. Yeah, it just feels like every single time. And it's almost always a man. I mean, there are some women in her family who were not good to her, but it's always at the hands of a man in her life that her life gets manipulated or she is for, you know, put into a life where she has to do something that she doesn't necessarily want to do. Yeah. It's just been re kind of visiting all of that just feels like, especially, you know, Brittany lately has, you know, continued to, since she is you know, freed of a conservatorship and there's been the aftermath of her ex-husband, K Fed, coming out of the woodwork as usual with nothing but nonsense. Get a it job. Just- <laughs> Get a fucking job. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like you should be running Brittany a check, not the other way around, okay? With all of your I little appearances. Wife. Like, does his wife have a job too? Cause like this is embarrassing. You have your husband running around town saying how horrible of a woman Britney is after everything yeah and exploiting his underage son's like painful relationship with his mom like this is it's so difficult to watch and it's also hard not to make the 
kind of comparison between Anna Nicole and Brittany. It's like, thank God Brittany like got out of her conservatorship and feels like confident enough in herself to like tell her side of the story. Not everybody um, gets to free themselves from people who are manipulating them for whatever they can get out of them. So it's just like, yeah, it's it, it's tough not to see the two. I mean, not like she was really – I mean, Brittany had like a very, very successful career. But it's more like the conservatorship and being exploited that way, like just finding out the myriad of ways that you could possibly get exploited is just disturbing. Yeah. And also like Anna Nicole was suffering from past surgeries, from like plastic surgeries, which I didn't know about, which – makes sense of why she was taking the painkillers that like or like the um, pills that she was taking like she was taking it because she was in so much pain like her body was just like not functioning and like finding out that she was like stabbing herself with b12 shots and like slim fast um yeah, her no, body. it's uh, Trim Spa, which was basically like, there. wasn't that just yeah. like Fen Fen like in the it end? Was. It, it was. It, right. And it was like, I mean, it tells you everything that like shortly after her commercials aired, the FDA like removed it from the market, I'm pretty sure. Like it's, um, oh God. Yeah, well, she's, just, she had the, um, she was part of the unfortunate wave of women in the 80s who were essentially like guinea pigs for these giant breast augment breast yeah. augmentations that were done with like not a ton of consideration to what your body can handle right like now it and like and obviously they were full of silicone and not um is it like saline now so they're less likely to rupture now or even worse like i mean i think there have been a couple of women famous women that is, their names escape me now but they're older breast implants have like literally made them sick or like I mean, given a- them a- pamela pamela anderson had to yeah didn't she get like hep c from like her infected thing something like that she had to get new ones i think she she had she has one other ones in now but she i remember that was like a story like she had to get them removed because there was like something happened where yeah they started leaking or something like that it was interesting in my research coming back like so so china or joni uh law lauer was her last name i think china's last name the wrestler the oh. like so she and, and and anna nicole were friends and she shows up in the christmas party episode and she actually i was reading because i was like oh my god yeah i forgot china also died like in the last decade And I was reading her Wikipedia page and she had special breast implants made for bigger framed women like herself because she was tall. Like Anna Nicole was a tall woman. Like people made comments about her weight, but as is, as a, she was a tall woman. I think she was about 5'10", 5'11". If she wasn't six feet or almost there, I'd be surprised. I mean, the whole first premiere episode was her, she wanted to find a house that with a tub that she could fit in because she's so tall. Yes. She needs a tub that's like deep enough and like long enough so she can actually fit. Like, yeah. And watching her walk around, it's like, I forgot that she's like, I'm not saying big, like size wise, like height wise. Like she's got yes. like little tiny heels on and she's towering over 50% of the people that are around her. Yeah. Yeah. She was a spectacle whenever she went out. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she's almost six feet tall You and bright blonde giant boobs. Like, how do you even miss that person in a crowd? Even if- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're not famous. Um, was there any other plastic surgery that you came across that she, like, had had? Um... Besides, I mean, because I know obviously the implants are the big one. Is there any? Were there any other surgeries that she was known for having? 
No, I think it was just the boobs that I wouldn't be surprised if she had a tummy tuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or something else. I don't think she did anything to her face. Her face never like changed in such a way that you would suspect any well, sort of augmentation. Episode, oh, like, right. The de- Yeah. Do you have the teeth? Like, I need more painkillers. And, and she's t- saying how she grinds it. And I was like, oh, because I get locked jaw. And I was like, if she's having teeth problems, that's like already connected to your whole entire body. She's in a lot of pain. <laughs> But I'm also thinking about her cousin when she shows up and like her teeth yeah. are all messed up and she's like, I, I like bought you a set of teeth like however many years ago and you like fucked them up. I mean that, you know, and there's a lot there that to unpack. Get- <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot that we don't talk about with her family and in particular cousin Shelly, but like, you know, looking back now. Now that we now that we know a lot about opioid addiction and what it can cause, I don't want to like and meth and various things like that. I don't want to make assumptions, but given where she came from and given that she had gotten new teeth and they had been destroyed pretty quickly, uh, I can like make you a, a top three list of things. I think it is right, and but that I mean, there's just so much there that like i can't imagine what it would have been like in her shoes not only with all the media and 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 people around her who you know are make setting her up to be in this bad place but then on top of that having a family you feel like you're the meal ticket for because that's really what she was i mean she brought her family like cousin shelly and other people to live with her at certain points and took care of them and it was um, you know, it was one of those things where I think she loved them so much because they were so much a part of like who she had been at one point and didn't need her to be this glitzy, you know, celebrity. But on the other hand, they relied on her money to be able to live the lives they wanted to live. And it's just that dynamic, like Brittany, again, like could not have been easy. I, I also think that that's where you can see in her mind like how as the show goes on like how exhausted she is by playing this like super sexy persona but it's like sometimes it's like she remembers who she's like doing it for and like it'll click on almost like begrudgingly but I completely understand like the maybe like maybe there was never like a pure intention for this show but like I can understand the thought process from like an executive standpoint at E why you would want Uh, a a reality show about Anna Nicole like her life is surreal like her cousin showing up her you know for a lack of a better term like hick quote-unquote cousin showing up with her teeth that she bought her like you know several years ago completely destroyed and like showing up with her own documentary crew and like trying to bring out the Vicky Lynn uh, of Anna Nicole to like remind her where she's from is like its own feature-length movie so like I understand like her surreal life is very um appetizing for a reality show but then the problem is like you don't get to like write how it goes right like you have to like let people have real emotions and like the story that her cousin tells about giving birth and then like almost like cold cocking like a nurse for it's just like all of it is just like what like I I can't even the fact that you're here is really kind of insane all of it it's just like it's it's hard to like parse sometimes like of course her her life is overwhelming Plus, then you add in, like, the media scrutiny on top of that. Like, where else was she supposed to go or turn? Yeah. It's – um. so we talked, obviously, a lot about, like, how this show – and when I said iconic at the beginning, I just mean in that it is forever, like, most millennial – I don't think I know a single millennial who wouldn't know, like, who Anna Nicole Smith is. Um, But in terms of, you know – Obviously, rewatching this show as all three of us as adults is very, you know, just disturbing to see what was allowed. Um, But in terms of kind of positive notes, were there any episodes or scenes that you watched where you had fun rewatching it or were like, oh, at least there's this one nice moment in the the midst of all this chaos and, um, you know, difficult to watch scenes? Um, definitely how sweet she was to teenagers who were like in bad positions of like not having a home or like school problems or, um, she allowed them in their house. She had these group of women, teenagers, um, go to her house where they spend the day with Anna Nicole and 
that's when like her charm really came out and like the real Anna Nicole I felt in my opinion came out as well where she literally opened all the drawers in her kitchen and she was like eat whatever you want and the kids were like really (laughs) and she was like yeah and she's like let's go to the pool let's paint like she just wanted to like because she's totally been there she's been that girl where like she had no one and like I don't know she's she would have been such a great like advocate for women who like come from battered homes or like sexual abuse. Like I, I just feel like now today, 2022, she would be a total icon as opposed to like, I don't know, like ET news tabloid um, kind of a woman that we, we saw her back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Fan. Like, anytime you can see her being her real self was a a highlight for me. I mean, I think, like, her at the guest party was – it was nice to see her be, like, the star again. Like, that was really refreshing. And, like, seeing people, like, want her autograph and not, like – and her just being respected in public was, like, a highlight. And you could tell that she was enjoying herself and she didn't didn't seem, like – something that she was forced to do, something that she, like, actually enjoyed. And I do think that, like, any of her interactions that are just, like, with her and Daniel, like, one-on-one is very nice as well. Like, I'm sure they had a complicated relationship or whatever, and I know that she wasn't always super there for him, but I know that they, like, cared about each other. So it's just nice to see them have, like, moments that are not interrupted by he who shall not be named. So I, I'm happy for those moments. And yeah, like you said, anytime that she's like interacting with kids, like you can tell that she's a big kid and um, she really is living out a little bit of like her childhood, like with Daniel and like with hosting these teens at her house and like just trying to make a difference because she knows what it's like. So yeah, any glimmers of like the real her that aren't like manufactured or produced for maximum humiliation was a highlight. I enjoyed rewatching the first half of the Christmas party episode. Uh, The second half, there was a lot at that point. People were very drunk and there were fights and it just felt like, you know, he was picking on people. But the first half actually felt like a lot of fun. Like she had Margaret Cho there and she had China and she had her driving instructor and she had like several people at the party. And it did look like she had had an ice luge that was made like her body, which was fantastic. Um, That first half of that party seemed like a very fun time before chaos ensued. And Howard K. Stern passed out on a chair like I've done at parties before. Margot knows, except I am not a creep and a horrible person. Yeah, except it's like funny when you do it. Um, it's, it's charming. Uh, no, but it was, uh, for me, that was kind of nice. It was nice to see that, um, for, for a moment, like she could just enjoy and, and be herself for a bit and like have fun and drink where she wasn't, you know, the person who, you know, everybody looked at as like the joke or the butt of the joke, but just like everyone else is having a good time and drinking together. And it's like, you know, it's not chaotic. It's not um, being put together for the, you know, enjoyment of the mass media and America. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things to your point. I think there are these glimmers of of moments in that show where you see the true authentic her and she you see that she was such a kind person. And to your point, like came from poverty, like came from a world where she had to work really hard to be where she was. And um it's nice to, again, think like, I, you know, I, I keep thinking of Dolly Parton a little bit too when I've been, we've been talking about her just because like she is someone else that people once underestimated and she too like had to, she was controlled by, in her case, it was Porter Wagner was like the host of this country music review show that she was on in the sixties and he wanted her to be like his dumb blonde in the corner, just like playing along. And she advocated for herself and you know, I think Dolly has done so much for the people, for poor people, because, you know, she came from a world where her dad was illiterate. So she created like a literacy program where she gives out free books to kids all over the country. And I think that like much like how Brittany has been able to, you know, show what was happening behind the scenes and has the support of the media and the world behind her. I think that Anna Nicole would also, from a charitable standpoint, um, would see would be a lot like Dolly in the sense of wanting to give back to her her community because she did, you know, care about those people. I mean, she she gave 
her assistant a car for her birthday for yeah. her Halloween episode. And like, yeah, it's true. Like her getting ready for parties, like even the Vegas, her having fun, like you can truly see how giving of a person she is by just throwing a Halloween party, giving her a car and just, yeah, like she was sadly taken advantage of when she was already such a given person. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's like the when you mix in like the wrong kind of people and you're a giving person, it's like an unfortunate recipe for disaster if you don't like have boundaries or um, I just like you like we were saying earlier, like just also was just so lonely that maybe even being manipulated like any attention is good attention or like having anybody around even at the cost of my own mental health is like better than being all by all by myself with these thoughts like I don't know there's only obviously there's like endless speculation right since she's not here but it's just yeah it's hard not to have that color like the rest of the show too I know she said I want to say it was the 2020 documentary but like old videos being shown where she said she had Daniel because she didn't want to be lonely anymore. And that's why she had Danny Lynn because Daniel was growing up like he was already like, you know, uh, his own person. And she said she was lonely again. And that's when she wanted Danny Lynn. She said that she would never she was she always gave I feel like it wasn't even hints. She was telling everybody in the world how like nobody comes up to me and talk to me and asks me out like nobody like people are afraid of me. And like, she just always was crying out about how lonely she was. She did not have many friends. And it's like, even after her death, so I was talking about how she and China were friends. So after her death, China went on to, I forget what news, maybe CNN or something, maybe it was Larry King to talk about her. Um, But then someone else came out and was like, actually, they were not that close of friends towards the end of her death. So it was almost like, you know, these people who were friends or seemed to be her friends, it was like other people would dispute that. And it's it, it just gets messy when like everyone's calling out one another and neglects the person that they were talking about and their feelings and their legacy and who they are and that. That for me was just to your point, like she was so lonely because, yeah, she just didn't know who she could trust at that point. Like it's really heartbreaking. Um, We've kind of gone through a lot of the topics that I put together really organically, which is always nice. Uh, One thing that we haven't talked about, though, is, you know, we all watched several um, episodes or clips from old episodes and we watched some of the, you know, documentary 2020 things. There is a documentary coming out on Netflix. I don't know if it's this year or next year. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be next year at this point. I was trying to gather some info for that, uh, for the pod, but the latest that I found was just that the offices producing it are uh, relocating to the UK. Um, What are you hoping that will be covered in the documentary? And what are you hoping uh, the documentary angle will not like fall into? Hmm. I guess I hope they don't fall into the whole ditziness of it all. I'm really hoping that it's more focused on who was around her and who was actually like producing her. Cause like, I just saw the movie Elvis. I don't know if you guys have seen it and the way they <laughs> got together. <laughs> The way they worked him like a dog, I just feel the same, like rewatching Anna Nicole show. I It's the same thing where like this horrible lawyer um, just like putting her in these positions that she clearly said that she doesn't want to be in. I hope they really show that side of the story instead of like her guests, like, um, you know, the, the regular true Hollywood of how she was born and raised when it's like, no, I want to get into the nitty gritty of like, how she got into the downfall and it wasn't her. It was like the people around her that literally made her crash and burn. I really don't want this doc to go the way that the Brittany Murphy one for HBO went. That doc to me is like the gold standard of what not to do when you want to recontextualize somebody's place in pop culture history because 
kind of like we were saying earlier, there's a lot of revisionist history going around about how like, oh, everybody loved her. She was so iconic. Oh, my God. Like, I want it to be I want it to be the to keep repeating what we've been saying, the framing Britney doc treatment. I wanted to kind of take I actually really enjoyed that um, BuzzFeed long piece by uh, her name escapes me now. Hillary. I'm blanking, but we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to take that angle because I thought that that was a really well written, fair piece about just like her life and without getting too much into like the finger pointing and was very just like presenting the facts, telling you yes. some things that you didn't know, giving you some background about uh, J. Marshall Howard. Like, I just felt like it It kind of did a really good job in, you know, not a ton of time, like in four or 5,000 words or so of kind of giving you like a very realistic portrait of who she was. And I really, I, I, I want the doc to go that way. I don't need it to tell me that we all loved her when we all know that that's not true, Ellen. I don't want it to go the Brittany Murphy route where they're going to like incorporate some fucking YouTuber who's doing their makeup trying to like turn her death into a conspiracy. Like that's gross. But I also want to say that like I hope that this will be like the definitive documentary for her because what I don't want this I, what I don't want is this to get into Princess Di territory where like you know it's everybody been 20 years. Everybody wants to Everybody wants a piece of the pie of making money off of this dead woman. And I can't even imagine what it's like to have news announcements about your dead mom every fucking five minutes, people trying to make money off of her. Just let the lady rest. So I hope that this doc does justice to her legacy and is something that won't hurt her daughter's feelings like later on down the line and kind of gives everybody a very realistic portrayal of like who she was and how she was treated without getting too down in like the muck and um and then I hope we can be done with this and so she can just like rest in peace. I totally agree. I think the other thing so I was your that piece you're talking about Buzzfeed is by Sarah Marshall, which I thought oh, was dang funny. It. Her name is Sarah her name is Sarah Marshall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um but the there is yeah there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this and um Van, I don't know if you saw this Brittany Murphy uh, docu-series we're talking about. It's it's on HBO Max. I saw the first part, and after the way they cliffhang it, hung it, whatever yes. it's called, I did not continue to the second one because I was like, where is this going? This isn't a documentary about her. This is a documentary of a conspiracy theory now. No, it's yeah. super It's super gross. It's a little bit like um, they did that doc about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining Room 239 or whatever, where it was just like a bunch of like kooky weirdos with no credentials spewing their weirdest theories. And you're like, this person's dead. Like, can we have right. a little respect, please? I, yeah, that that's for me the... There's, yeah, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. I really hope it doesn't go down the Brittany Murphy road. But I can tell you now, I think once this does air, I have a feeling Netflix will do a good job because I, the recent docs we've watched, a couple of them have been a little, uh, but I'm, I've been, I was really happy with the Woodstock 99 series that they did. I think that was really well done. Um, and I think their Britney doc that they did, because they they did one and New York Times or Hulu did one. Um, both of those I thought were great because they were different angles, did a good job with their reporting, all that. But do mark my words that I think once this doc airs in the next two years, we're going to see a biopic like the, it's it's inevitable. I I have a feeling it has to happen because like that it seems to be that like every time one of these docs airs, like within you know, two years, there's either a dot, there's either a mini series or a movie. Well, I'm fine with that as long as Jennifer Coolidge gets to play her. But also, I want to have you know that in my research, I was reminded and I watched the trailer that they did a lifetime movie of her after she died and Willa no. Ford plays her. And it is, no. it is worth a watch if you want to scream. It's only like a two minute trailer. Just watch the trailer. Don't watch the whole thing. But <laughs> I was like, will I not <laughs> Lifetime? What? Where was I? That is crazy. I like have a these- vague recollection of this movie coming out. Like, <laughs> not, not in a real way. Like, oh, that sounds like a bad idea or like not real. But it turns out it's very real and I didn't make it up. So, um, yeah, check that out. 
That is so 2000s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Willow, oh, Blake, and Nicole. God, that's so unhinged. Um, I also had forgotten that someone made an Anna Nicole opera. Like there was an actual Anna Nicole Smith opera in like 2012. And I forget. Look, I'm telling what- you, the Princess Die uh, similarities are racking up here because that terrible Diana <laughs> musical also came out at a certain point. I just people like do not think like why oh okay so the opera by the way on wikipedia anna nicole an opera by mark anthony turnage about smith premiered february 17th 2011 at the royal opera house to mixed reviews i hope they skewed on the bad uh but it is a two-act opera with 16 scenes and uh there was an actual broadcast of the opera on bbc like it is is wild I am disgusted right now. I am so mad. BBC? I, BBC, do better. What are you doing? Do better. And I'm just, I'm angry. I am angry on behalf of Anna Nicole and her her family. Like, this is terrible. Um, oh, my God. And this Wikipedia, I mean, it literally, it has the, the characters and their voice tap. Like, J. Howard Marshall, Howard K. Stern is, is an op. This is unhinged there's a larry king part in this i i'm angry i am angry for her i hope this opera is never ever brought to stage ever again um that's yeah. really how i felt the whole entire time watching the, her reality show rewatching it where i was like this is literally nothing compared like it's kind of the kardashians like we're watching them do nothing yeah. Um, and they made it so blown out of proportion, like made it so dramatic, like the whole Bobby trend, trendy fiasco. And like, um, yeah, it's she today would it, I don't know if I don't know where I was getting at with this, but um, it's OK, <laughs> it's hot outside right now where I think we're all just like trying to keep our thoughts going. But <laughs> Are there do you do any of you have kind of final thoughts about Anna Nicole, her show, um, anything that you feel like we should have discussed? Oh yeah, that's what I want to say. I was infuriating watching the television show um because she was just being so normal and people treated it like she was being really weird. Sorry. <laughs> how about you, Margot? No, I mean I I don't wanna circle the drain with the how how like bummed rewatching this made me feel. So I I won't, I shan't, but I think we did a pretty thorough job of keeping it honest. Yeah. I, I just appreciate that, you know, podcasts, documentaries, all of that are kind of taking a look back at the toxic celebrity culture, which, you know, I think we always, we, we focus, all of us focus a lot on the 2000s and 90s because that's like a big part of, you know, who our landscape growing up as teenagers, 20 somethings and beyond. But to know that this was like, you know, we, this was just the version of this on steroids that had existed for, you know, decades and decades of gossip rags, like existing that like celebrities got these, this terrible treatment. And it's, I think only very recently, um, that we are finally, you know, there's discourse around like, what does that do to a person and what, who are we to be these people to judge, um, and to try to manipulate people like that. Um, so I've been listening to, uh, you must remember this. Um, I, I listen to that podcast all the time, but I, I feel like, um, Karina Longsworth always does a really great job of the more things change, the more they stay the same in Hollywood. And I feel like Anna Nicole is like such a example of that because you look at like, we, we talked about Marilyn Monroe earlier, like, Marilyn Monroe constantly dealt with that kind of um, portrayal in the press. We just didn't have the internet or reality television to, you know, continue that portrayal. Well, I also think that she was the first, well, not the first, but definitely the first of the the 90s and early 2000s to be famous for nothing, essentially, right? Yeah. Like, we keep coming up to, like, the Kardashians and them, like, their show is very similar to her show in the sense that everybody's freaking out even though they're doing normal things or whatever. And so I, I think that she was, like, the first to do that. I would definitely go as far to say, though, that, like, she was always trying to be honest about who she was 
and what her skill level was. And I don't think that she was ever trying to pretend that she was anything, but it was the people around her that kept like gaslighting her into thinking that she was like the crazy one for just, I don't know, wanting to say that like, you can call me a gold digger. That's fine. And wanted to provoke her to like get a reaction out of her because it was just so funny and charming. But I I find, yeah, the more things change, it's like, there wouldn't be Kardashians or even like Paris Hilton to a certain extent for being famous for just being famous if it wasn't for her. Yeah, I kind of get the same vibes with um, Addison Ray. She gives me like the, the way she like has been raised. She gives me like the Britney kind of vibes as well, where like her family is kind of just like taking advantage of her wealth and taking advantage of her fame. The a little bit of fame that she has. I don't know. I feel like she's still an up and coming star. Um, but yeah, you it's repeating itself. Um, the whole, a strong, famous woman being taken advantage by whoever's closest to her. It's just on different platforms, right? It's like yeah. Anna Nicole was print and, and she was like in Playboy. Then you have Kim who was like videotape. And then I'm not saying I don't know very much about Addison Ray other than her parents are messy and oh yeah and I'm so sorry, sweetie, that this is happening to you. But then now you have people that are famous for being on YouTube or famous for being on TikTok. But I would say Addison Ray is like probably a better description because it's like you would be hard pressed to find somebody that could tell you what she actually does. Like it's <laughs> other than is on TikTok, which fine, yes, I understand is like a job now, but like. You know what I mean? Like, same with Anna Nicole Smith. It's like, oh, she married that, like, old guy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's very comparable in that way. I think Anna Nicole had the same, you know, come up as the Kardashians in the sense that they were, like, tabloid father, um, part of some sort of scandal of some sort. They, But Anna Nicole just didn't have a way to commodify it, you know? And that's the difference here is, like, the Kardashians took this situation and then they were able to commodify it and each of them has like a makeup line or a hair or, you know, clothing line or like. Well, Chris a- commodified it. So like, Chris, yeah, she, Chris, she, yes, she did. Yes. She, Anna Nicole's career did suffer from not having like a good manager and like a good agent. Right. I mean, but this goes right. back to like her not letting the right people into her circle. Because, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the Kardashians, they could have done nothing with it if they didn't know how to commodify it and they didn't have Chris like. I don't know, seeing a a vision plan for them, like it can be very overwhelming and can get out of control and go like super left very quickly as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've kind of covered a lot, pretty much everything we could cover about this. Um, Before we end and wrap for today, Van, we'd want, first of all, we want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, Such a delight to have you on. Um, we wanted to see if you have anything you want to plug, want to talk more about your podcast. Um, do you have any projects coming up? Well, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I had so much fun just revisiting old Anna Nicole show. And like, I'm still continuing this journey with her. Like, I'm so excited you guys brought this back to my life. Um, yeah, I am the host of Best Week Ever podcast. You can find me at Best Week Ever podcast. Yeah, best week ever podcast, I think, or pod on Instagram, or you can find my um, podcast wherever you stream podcasts. Right now, I am taking a bit of a break. Um, I'm eloping and doing a bunch of things within these two weeks. But yeah, beginning of October, I'll be back with the guests. I'll be with Hannah Brown, which I'm really excited about. She's been in like Danny Pellegrino's podcast here and there. And yeah, we just basically talk about who's having the worst and best week in pop culture. And I just love to discuss it with whoever my guest is that week because it's always different. And um, we're never on the same topic unless that person in pop culture is having another second worst or best week. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Early congrats. It's exciting. Um, Yeah. I'm more excited for The Bachelorette than my elopement, to be quite honest. (laughs) I'm going to Palm Springs, and I'm seeing friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And having a toddler, I don't get to have that much one-on-one time. So it's going to be really nice to just focus on my friendships. That's awesome. I'm very excited for you. I hope you – we really hope you have a great time on your Bachelorette. Enjoy Palm Springs. 
thank you everyone for joining us once again uh, for our podcast. We're so happy you tune in every week and listen to us. Um, you can find us anywhere really where you stream your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really anywhere. Um, additionally, if you really like our podcast, guess what? We have a Patreon. That's right. We have a Patreon. And for five bucks a month, you get two pieces of content from us. Usually it's in the form of bonus episodes of what we're watching, us reviewing it, talking about it. And it's not limited to the 90s and 2000s. We'll talk about, you know, whatever docu-series is the hit Netflix series du jour. And um, sometimes we'll write about what we're obsessed with. So just come check it out. Again, it's um, patreon.com slash oldmillennialspod. We're also on social media. So if you have an Instagram, you have a Facebook, you want to check us out, we are at the Old Millennials Pod. That's where you can find us. And individually, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Emily A. Beijing. And I'm at Marge, she wrote. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.